0: I was a younger dude at the time, so I was on scout team. So I got to go up against Brian all the time, and just being able to go against somebody at that level every day, it just prepared me for when I got my opportunity to go out there and play.
1: I think just the overall attitude and mindset that the coaches at Pitt try to instill in players uh, is something that I grew a lot from. Developing a tough mindset there was huge.
2: Yo, Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode number 100. That's probably why you notice new music, because we gotta celebrate episode 100 in a new fashion, and I'm excited to have Jay Nelson here joining me as always. My name is Gabe Henderson, and like I said before, welcome to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Minicamp is here, and boy, has it been revealing. We have a lot of news to talk about today, Jay. I mean, the most obvious is Daniil Hunter, right? I mean, he is back. He is not practiced, but he is back, and he is on the field. And I think Minnesota Vikings fans were very excited when they saw the, the Vikings social uh, team post him just, you know, giving the, the thumbs up on 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 Instagram and Twitter. So th- that is, I guess more importantly, that is just good news for Vikings fans to hear. Um, but later coming up on the show, we have a pit party And talking about pit party, I'm talking about pit Panther alums, Brian O'Neill and Patrick Jones, the second we'll be interviewing them later on in the show. So, guys, make sure you stay tuned to that. Uh, But, Jay, you have been a part of the Minnesota Vikings podcast longer than I than I have. Um, So congrats to you. Congrats to everyone that have made episode 100 possible. Um, Thank you. uh, More importantly, but at the same time, you've seen this show evolve, right?
3: Yeah. And here's the thing. I can't take full credit because I wasn't there at the beginning. We had Nate Vaughn just kind of got to the point where we had talked forever about doing a podcast and Nate just kind of looked at it and started writing a format, <laughs> basically walked in with like a Sony cam and a, and a mic and handed it to a host and he and they just kind of sat there and went through and started doing these podcasts and it kind of evolved. Corso got involved after, after Nate had uh, gone on to do the voyage. And so he's been in there and then I kind of wedged my way in there uh, a couple of years <laughs> ago. And it's been fun just to kind of see it evolve through all this stuff. And so, so being able to hit the century mark, is, it's kind of a cool moment. And just to see how this whole thing has grown and just to see how even the audio division uh, of Vikings Entertainment Network has grown over the years, it's been pretty special. So hitting that 100 moment's pretty fun. I figured we'd change it up a little bit and uh, see if we can do some fun, new and exciting things during the season.
2: Absolutely. Well, moving to some more exciting news. Well, it is, (laughs) I guess this is the perfect podcast to, I guess, report. It's not breaking, but the Vikings have reworked the contract of Danil Hunter. And like I said before, he has officially returned to camp. Um, He returned on Monday for his physical and participated in the team activities, both Tuesday, Wednesday, and today, which is Thursday. Um, in case you don't know some of the contractual adjustments, right? Of course, in 2018, Daniel Hunter signed his five-year, $72 million deal. He's in year four of that deal this year. And in case you didn't know, $5.6 million of his 2021 salary is a signing bonus now. So he gets that money now. He doesn't have to wait until another year. But that actually means... It then adds a $18 million roster bonus that officially triggers on the fifth day of the 2022 league year. So to sum that all up, Daniel Hunter gets more money now, which is $5.6 million. And then next year, the Vikings have the option to either keep him, uh, trade him, cut him, or sign him to a longer deal. And they have to make that decision by the fifth day of the new league year, which is March of 2022. Um, I, I think it makes complete sense to to extend them, but I'm, I'm not in the front office um, we, we know how much value this guy brings to this team, Jay, um, the the youngest player in the NFL history to 50 sacks. He's still 26 years old, and he's entering the prime of his career. So um, we know the Vikings only had, what, 23 sacks overall um, as a team last year. Um, in 2019 and 2018 combined, Daniel Hunter had 29 sacks by himself. Um, so we know that that just adds value to the team right there. But you, you've seen – what he, what he brings to this table. I mean, I've only seen him play uh, in person one time, and I was on the opposing team, and he sack, sacked our quarterback twice that game. Um, but being on the home team sideline, understanding what he does, understanding what he means to this community, how key is it bringing Daniil Hunter back and having him back on, I guess, Lando Lakes Field at minicamp?
3: This is... The offseason talker that has happened basically all last year and then leading up this offseason saying, Is he going to hold out? Is he going to show up? Is he not? The reason why everyone's been asking that question is he is an absolute game wrecker. And that is what Harrison Smith said this week in his press, yeah. or, you know, when he was asked, What's it like getting him back? He is an absolute game wrecker. He is a game changer. And given all the issues we had last season on the defensive line, we know what we were missing. Mm-hmm. And we saw all of the the offseason moves, the the return of Michael Pierce, and then picking up Tomlinson and, and a guy we're going to get to here shortly. But Daniel Hunter coming back here is another piece of hope um, that that defensive line is going to play better this year. It all comes down to if he can stay healthy. And I think what you're seeing here in this deal is it's kind of a, a buffer for both of them. It's kind of a win-win where... For the team, there's no new money going into this deal, but for him, all of his stuff is basically front-loaded, yep. so it's basically converted to the signing bonus. The team gets to prorates that that change out over the next two years with the the money that is officially a signing bonus this year. But on top of that, like you said, the team basically has to either extend him with a long-term contract, trade him, which you would assume, if he plays anywhere close <laughs> to where he was before, you're looking for a giant haul of of picks and players that would come back uh, our direction. And then you would either potentially cut him, which is highly unlikely because that would open up like a $10.5 million dead cap hit next season. But that would also clear $20 million in cap space next year. So there's a little bit of a win-win back and forth, but I just don't really personally see that happening unless something catastrophic happens or you can let him play out his contract and really roll the dice uh, because that would be a $20 million cap hit next season but he could threaten to hold out for the next year. He right. could threaten to walk. I just think when it really comes down to it and with the front office, with what they want to do, Daniel is basically banking on himself saying, I'm going to be back here in same form and you're going to have to pay me. And the front office is saying, great, we'll pay you up front. your your you signing bonus here. But if you prove to us that you're back in the same form, we will gladly have to write that check. So to me, having him back in the building, um, and if he comes back to form at even close to what he was before, it's going to be an awesome, awesome asset to have back on this defensive line.
2: Yeah, I, I just think his presence alone, let's say he doesn't – I mean, of course we know he's going to get a lot of sacks this year, but let's say he doesn't get a sack this year at all. His presence alone in the run game, his size, his stature, it, it automatically makes this team better or, you know, it's an upgrade from from the output that we had on the field last year. Not to say that, you know, Fadio Denebo, DJ they, they they made plays – uh, but at the same time, D- Danil Hunter, I mean, he's a pro bowler or pro. We need him back on this team alongside Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Michael Pierce, and then our newest addition to the Minnesota Vikings defensive line. I guess welcoming back Sheldon Richardson, who's, of course, we all know he was with the Cleveland Browns the last two years. He addressed that in his press conference earlier this week. Um, but like he said, him being cool with, with the organization here and knowing everything uh, that Mike Zimmer and coach Dre want and what they bring to the table um he, he's excited to be back here and it, it was just a perfect fit for his career at this point and in, at this point of where he is so I, I'm excited about this he was here in 2018 had four and a half sacks 48 tackles that year and then got you know the big contract for got the big contract in Cleveland um and we, we had Dre on here a, a couple of weeks ago and Dre was like hey, I was like, Dre, like, do, you, do you pick up the phone and just say, hey, my name is Coach Andre Patterson, um, and then the player signs? Um, and Dre was like, no. I mean, he tells the guy straight up, if you want a big contract elsewhere, this is where you need to be. And Sheldon Richardson is a is a byproduct of that. And then having him back here uh, for the 2021 season with this revamped defense, Jay, I'm excited, man.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was an absolute force at the Jets, which is why when he did go to free agency and he did make his way to the Seattle Seahawks prior to coming to us, um, he was a big name that was out there and everyone's like, holy smokes, Sheldon Richardson's available. And then when he did show up in 2018, you know, they kind of asked him, you know, what made you want to come here? And it was TCOPC. He, he walked in, he's like, have you seen this place? You know, like he was excited about that. But I think given some of the other quotes that he's had here um, from press conference the other day, like you said, he knows he's not necessarily going to be a starter up front right. at this point in his career because of the other two guys that are there. But what he was known for was, you put him in there on high-pressure situations, especially on like third down, he gets after it. And he can be a a play wrecker. He can be an upfield rusher on that defensive line. And I think if we've talked about this numerous times, just saying the way that Andre likes to rotate players Mm -hmm. in over and over again – and um trying to keep guys fresh and everything i mean you're talking sheldon richardson as a as a backup d tackle mm-hmm. possibly that is a an embarrassment of riches that you are you're bringing in here and i think the nice thing that you look at this too is say you know sheldon felt like it was a place that he wanted to return right. when when he had the opportunity so i think it's kind of a win-win and if he wants to be here and he knows what his role is going to be up front I just think it's not only a a great asset to have as a backup, but it's also a a kind of a a safety measure in case somebody gets hurt up front on that defensive line. You've got then Sheldon Richardson, who's a definite starter and knows what's going on in this league, stepping back up there and making some plays for you. So I think it's a great play. I was really surprised when I saw the name pop across uh, Twitter and everything and just saying, you know, the Vikings are working with this guy and trying to get a deal done. I was like, heck yeah, bring him back in because I just think – given everything that happened last season. And we were just talking about the sack numbers. I mean, I, I joked the other day, it was kind of like, you know, Zim saying, I want some, some, you know, new defensive players and, and front office, just kind of joking, saying who. And, I, and my, my reaction was just saying all of them because they've, they have gone ham bringing in new talent here. And I just think that should make all Vikings fans super, super excited that they're not complacent at all. They are going for it this season with all the, the moves and the players are bringing in. And uh, I think Sheldon coming in here trying to work in on another one-year prove-it deal. You could see him signing here long-term next year, too, if, if everything works out great. So I'm happy to have him back.
2: Absolutely. Like you said, they have went ham, eggs, and cheese on this defensive line in free agency. And, and people still forget that the salary cap is $182.5 million. So there's not a lot of cheddar to give these guys. But at the same time, Robert Zinzi, all those guys are making do and giving fans their money's worth. And I'm excited um to see like how all the pieces of the puzzle will, will finally come together and i guess just transitioning to mini camp this week it's 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 really been fun to see the guys compete right i mean that's the that's the obvious thing but at the same time you, like i felt like things starting to pick up I think Sheldon brought it up, and he said, "You know, we're we're, we're going around running seventy five, eighty percent speed, but at the same time, you see guys running a hundred percent, or you see you know offensive linemen doing certain certain moves that they wouldn't do, you know, in a regular practice. So the the intensity is starting to pick up, especially um, for what I saw this week compared to OTAs. So that that's probably been the biggest adjustment or biggest contrast between OTAs and mini camping." And, uh, I think it all goes back to just having Danil there. I mean, just the the impact that he has on his teammates, impact on his locker room. We know he's a quiet guy, but his presence alone has shown that, okay, all right, football season is around the corner. It's time to prepare. It's time to get with it. And there's a good team. Like, we've put together a a good team in place to to make a run here. So we'll see how it all starts. I I mean, there's a lot of new faces, but those new faces are veterans. And like Harrison Smith said, when it comes to the DB room, uh, we go from, what, the young, the youngest group in the NFL last year to arguably having one of the older groups. So it, it, it's saying a lot. It, it is saying that this Vikings team wants to win now.
3: I'll know it's the real deal if uh, Daniil Hunter gets in there and he gets double teamed on every single <laughs> snap because that's what he can expect come in the regular season. I just, but, who,
2: but if you double team Daniil, you still got to double team Dalvin and Mike Like
0: pick your I, points I know. Up.
3: That 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 is the that is the excitement part of the embarrassment of riches side where it's just like <laughs> if you don't double team him, we've seen what's happened in the past when you have threats from the other side and you know they used to have to double team Everson and they used to have to double team uh Linval mm-hmm. just to try to prevent them from wrecking stuff up the middle, but If you if Daniel's back and he's playing the way he's supposed to, and you're not double teaming that guy, he is going to wreck a bunch of plays in your backfield. Yeah. So that is that is where think about last season where we were so frustrated where two, three, four yards off the snap, they were already offensive line was, you know, was getting a push on our defensive line. And you're just like, man, this just does not look normal. And all the years that I've been here, you always had a stout defensive line, you always had stout defensive line to keep those linemen off the linebackers and let them roam. Mm -hmm. And last year was just such an aberration. And Zim was so upset about it, which you understand, but to see what they've done this off season and the amount of money that they've spent Mm -hmm. on the defensive line, the secondary addressing those areas that they are not accustomed to having problems man this is this is going to be a completely different looking Vikings defense we all assume mm-hmm. and um it, it like you know to to harken back to my my cheesy line last week mandatory mini camp is is motivational <laughs> mini camp and if these guys are going to put out 70 80% that's fine by me just don't get hurt yep. and uh get some rest and then get the heck back here mm-hmm. come uh, just under 6 weeks away it's going to be a lot of fun this mini camp i'm i'm really really excited about what this could mean given not only where we're at, but the state of the the division as well in the NFC North. So we'll see how this goes.
2: Yeah, we'll see how this goes for sure. Well, next up on the show, we got the Pitt party. I'm talking about Brian O'Neill, Patrick Jones II. But before we get there, uh, I got to give a special shout out to my guy, Chris Corso. Um, I guess, Jay, for the second week in a row, he has not been on this show because he got married. He, de- he decided to say, you know what, I'm not doing MVP. I'm going to get married instead. So um, got some choice of words for him when he gets back.
3: Yeah. I mean, priorities, dude, what are you doing here? You're going to get married and doing all that stuff,
2: <laughs> but he will be back next week. And I guess next up is the interview with the Pitt party.
3: Well, the pit
2: party has commenced here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast episode number 100. I'm talking about pit Panther alums, now, Minnesota Vikings teammates. Well, I guess you guys were college teammates. Also uh, Patrick Jones, the second and Brian O'Neill fellas. Thank you for joining me. Um, I think for starters, we, we got to address the obvious, right? You guys were in college together for two years, but played on the same field for, for one, correct? Yep. That experience, what, what was that like?
0: I mean, for me, it just helped me get better. I was, uh, I was a younger dude at the time, so I was on scout team. So I got to go against Brian all the time. And just like, <laughs> I mean, he was doing his thing. So me just being able to go against somebody at that level every day, it just prepared me for when I got my opportunity to go out there and play. What about you, Brian?
1: It was fun. I think we only had a couple fights in practice. Uh, It was was good. It was good, though. Um, I mean, I remember Pat when he was like 17, 18 coming in. And then he showed up here a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, damn, you're not a kid anymore.
2: He's grown. (laughs) Man, you talked about, you know, some of those practice fights. I mean, just being a former college athlete myself, the receivers always say, you know, it always starts with one-on-ones with the defense-offensive linemen. And then that translates – uh to team drills but i guess it's vice versa for you guys you say it start and with the wide receiver dbs like talk about that competitive edge that that helps make the team better but you know it gets a little chippy also
1: oh it always starts with the d-line first off <laughs> it's always they started we gotta finish it but no it's good it's i mean i i like doing that kind of stuff in practice it makes us better puts us in you know it, it won't get harder than a one-on-one pass rush blocking a one-on-one pass rush in practice. And it, it gets easier on Sunday, in my mind. And I know Pat will learn we do that a lot around here every day, one-on-one pass pro, multiple reps. So it's fun. What about you, Pat? Oh,
0: man. I man, I'm going to say it always starts with the O-line. I mean, <laughs> they always doing that extra stuff after the play. So, then you feel me? But I, I think it's cool, though, because when you get – I feel like when you get people mad out there and y'all getting a little scratch, then you get to see, like, what people really got. Cause then they're going to bring, you know, they're going to bring it all to the next rep. So then you just want to go out there and you're going to bring yours. So then you really going at it. And I feel like that's how you get better when you turn up the tone like that.
2: Pat, you ended your college career as a, a all a consensus, all American. Brian, we, we know you were a top prospect in college. Also all ACC by the coaches. Um, you guys' perspective on pits, like why did you guys choose Pitt, and how did pit prepare you for, you know, this NFL moment?
1: Uh, I mean I chose Pitt because it was the biggest scholarship offer I had coming out of school to be honest coming out of high school um, it was my best chance to play division one big time college football and I loved it I loved everything about it for four years. How about you PJ? Uh,
0: I chose Pitt I mean that's just where I felt most comfortable with and I just looked at how Pitt just they known for doing great things with their D linemen over the past years and then I think it's just it's just crazy how I ended up at, an, at a place like the Vikings that's known to do great things with that D-lineman. So I guess it all worked out well.
3: And following up on that, Patrick, you know, you just said, I mean, Pitt is known as being kind of a defensive lineman factory. There's a ton of great prospects and people that have come into this league and had huge success. What do they teach there that makes it so special? Like, what do you feel you really gained being at Pitt during that time?
0: Oh, yeah, just like, just like the coaching and just the defensive mentality and just the like the aggressiveness we play, I feel like that all just translates over to being a good D-line. Like you said, we run to the ball all the time. Uh, we just play an aggressive upfield and it's just, it just, you just build on that when you're young coming in there and you just try to do your best to carry it over to the next level.
3: On top of that then for Brian, going against that every single day and knowing that they're trying to kind of bring their A-game like that, how do you feel like that helped you during your time at Pitt when you grew
1: Uh, I mean, I think it helped me tremendously. You know, they do a really good job with their D-line. I got a lot of respect for Coach Partridge, who's the D-line coach there. And looking back on it now in 2016 and 2017, the scout team I was going against every day had multiple draft picks on it (laughs) and multiple draft picks who are here. So like at the time you just, you're doing what you think you're doing, but you don't really realize it at the time you're playing against NFL guys. Um, And that really helped. But I think just the overall attitude and mindset that the coaches at Pitt try to instill in players uh, is something that I grew a lot from. Um, and you kind of had to grow up and learn to be tough right away, right when you get there. So um, developing a tough mindset there was huge.
2: You talk about that mindset, that motor. Um, we were talking a little off camera. I don't know which coach it was, but I had heard a story about how one of the defensive coaches that that coaches at University of Pitt, like every single every single time the burst, uh, I guess the offensive ball carrier carries the ball in practice. He makes sure all eleven defenders are near the ball before the play ends. Um, that's just, I mean, that's coaching mindset, right? But I guess for for you, um, Pat, how how did that you know that motor or that work ethic trans? How how is that translated so far to the NFL?
0: I mean, I, I can't really say how that translates to the NFL yet because I haven't really played in an NFL game yet, but. But hopefully it translates the same way it did in college, just running to the ball. Whenever you see all 11 guys in the picture, you know, when you run to the ball, you, you have a better chance of making a play. So that's just something I'm going to keep doing, I'm gonna keep running to the ball.
2: I guess uh, like Brian, I mean, I think that the obvious, I mean, of course, many campers here, the obvious talk right now is Daniel Hunter, right? Like he's back. You've been going up one on one against him in practice for the past couple of years. What is that like? And then for Pat, you know, you're learning from a guy like Daniel Hunter. Can can you just talk about that presence um, just alone? You know, I think he's the best in the
1: NFL. I don't think it's close, to be honest. Um, I've had to block everybody at this point, pretty much everybody. And being able to go against him every single day in practice is huge. And, you know, when he got banged up last year in camp, not being able to have that every day, I think I definitely missed that aspect of practice because, Nothing was harder than a Wednesday or Thursday in practice when he was around, (laughs) and I had to go. And everything really slowed down in the games. Um, So I'm really happy, A, that he's healthy, B, that he's back. And, C, I think I'm happy that I get to go against him in camp again this year and probably make him for a more stressful couple weeks, but it'll help me down the line for sure.
2: I mean, you you haven't seen him play in person, but you've seen him out there. And Jay and I were talking before, like, his presence. Could you expound a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, like, just everything he does, like, the way he approaches the drills and everything, he just, like, he's just a technician. Like, he does everything the way he's supposed to do it so far. Like, like far as the drills, like, his footwork, his parallel, his hands. So, like, what I do is, like, as a young guy out there, I just, I literally watch him. I literally stand behind him and watch everything he does. He probably, probably like, what's this dude doing watching me all day? But, I mean, I got an opportunity like that to watch somebody that, that's did everything I want, like, that's doing everything I want to do. So I'm going to watch him and just learn from him as much as I can while he's here.
2: Uh, I mean, I guess it's a similar story, right? You know, third round draft pick, you know, just you got to work. You got to get on the team. I mean, you you got the opportunity to play. But at the same time, when you got drafted, when did you actually hear from your teammate, Brian? Right after
0: I got drafted. He called me right after I got drafted.
2: Yeah. Hey, Brian, what was that conversation like?
1: Oh, it was cool. I was actually in Pittsburgh back on campus for a wedding of a, another former teammate. Okay, And I'm like in a big group of people and I see that we picked him. I'm like, oh, sorry. I got to call him. <laughs> I go outside. I'm like, he probably has a thousand people he needs to talk to right now. Just remembering how it went for me. But he answered and we talked for a couple minutes and
3: yeah, now we're now we see each other every day. You went from being kind of the Lone Ranger from Pitt to now being the Three Amigos. Uh, What's that like having some familiarity with those guys here in the locker room with you?
1: Uh, It's cool. It's fun. It's fun to see familiar faces. Um, I try to help them out as much as I can. They know that, that I'm here for them. Um, But we'll see in camp. We'll see in camp. Make sure they're on their P's and Q's. Make sure they're dialed (laughs) in the right
3: way. We'll keep them straight. We'll keep them straight. I was going to say, it, it's almost like one of those things when, like, you are you know, I have two younger brothers, so when the younger brothers would come up, it's like, yeah, now I got these guys here with me. I can kind of bring them along at the same point. I can give them a little bit more of a hard time, too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll
2: have our battles and one-on-ones, for sure. Of course, mini-camp OTAs, it's the only, you know, the only time of the year that the offensive defensive line, you really can't get a good look of, okay, this is what this guy is doing well because everything is just, you know – grab the jersey, get your hand placement here and there. But now once, you know, training camp is starting, now training camp is starting to roll around, how do you think, Brian, that Pat's game, from what you've seen on film, can translate to the NFL? I think it's going to translate very seamlessly. Um, I think he has
1: the right attitude. He has the right mindset. I think he's asking the right kinds of questions. I think I can learn a lot based on the kinds of questions people are asking. And from what I've seen on the field so far, it's going to be great. I mean, just like anybody, we all have, uh, you know, a learning curve for our first camp, our mm. first couple of games, but I have no doubt with the guys we have there to help bring them along and Coach Dre and, you know, Coach Zim and Adam and everybody that, you know,
2: it'll be good. It'll be smooth. I have no no reservations. It'll be all right. I mean, it's 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 a little different, right? You know, offense, defense, line. But you talk about that learning curve. Like, what was that learning curve for you? And when did it, you know, finally click? Like, hey, like, I'm in the NFL. This is my job. Now I got to go out here and perform.
1: Yeah. Um. The, the way I describe it to younger guys is that if you played a college season, there was one or two games where there was an elite NFL guy that you had to go against. Hmm. One or two games out of 12. Now it now you have 17 of those guys in a row. Every single guy you see week in and week out is the best player you ever saw in college. But I probably started to feel like not like I was I don't know drinking water through a fire <laughs> hose. Probably like week 10 or 12 of my rookie year. Okay. But I mean it took it took a while, um, and I'm still not there yet. So got a long ways to go still.
2: Uh, Like, that's almost scary that you said you're still not there yet, especially after coming off of last year and the the year before that. I mean, being mentioned with just some of the top names, I'm not sure what your goals are uh, going forward, which brings me to my next question. Uh, Understanding that, hey, like, I can be a perennial pro at at right tackle. Like, what are your goals?
1: Back in the playoffs. I don't really have have personal ones that I'll throw out there, but. I want this team to be back to elite status and contending and winning games and winning the division and you know being being one of those teams that makes it run. Hmm. And I want people to talk about the Vikings in a very very positive light.
2: I guess, uh, Pat. I mean, there's there's always you know phases to an offseason. I mean, rookie mini camp, OTAs, mini camp is now over. Um, I'm not even going to ask for season goals, but your goal heading into training camp, you know, we got five weeks off. Like, what what does that look like between
0: those five weeks? Uh, man, I'm just going to be working. I mean, we, the D-line we got right now, the whole D-line room is extremely competitive, so I'm going to have to really come in there and bring my A game. And I just want to be able to just put myself in a position where I can help the team win as much as they can.
2: I guess, you know, 17 games this year, right? Like, has that has – that st- sunk, I guess, sank in yet for you, Brian? I mean, I know, like, Pat, this is all you know. You go from, you know, 12 games last year, 10 games, and then now, now 17 games, Brian. <laughs> like, not many people know how big that 17 game is, so give me your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I'm excited. I think, you know, I've played <laughs> 17 games
1: before. I mean, we've played, we've made a playoff run before, so it, it's not like a completely foreign thing to all me, right. but uh, I think it puts more responsibility on the player day to day week to week, whether it's in September, October, November, taking care of your body, um, getting out in front of little knicks or injuries here and there, Mm. uh, staying on top of your sleep and nutrition and that kind of stuff because the team who's healthiest at the end of the year is probably going to be the team who's playing the best. So Mm. uh, I like to put it as, you know, a bigger individual responsibility for me to keep my body right, my mind right, to go, you know, let's go 20 games. Mm. I'm ready for
2: it. I love it. I guess my last question is for you, Pat. Understanding that, understanding what you know, Brian just said. Understanding that, hey, your body is your is your business. Like your body is your money maker. Like, how has your mental approach to the game changed?
0: Uh, I just, I mean, for me, for me, it's kind of it's kind of easier because like all I gotta do is worry about playing football. So I really just I really just focus when I wake up in the morning. I just think. I got I to gotta put myself in the best position that I could be in to be successful today. So that's how I really wake up every morning and approach the day. And I realize that the end goal is to do what I need to do so that my body could be in an
2: optimal state. I'm looking forward to it, guys. Like, Pitt Panthers, Pitt Party, we got three of you guys now. I know this is going to be fun. A, a lot of great, I guess, just experience now. So, Brian, no more getting jumped and haze in the locker room. Now you got a couple of teammates that can back you up, right? that wasn't happening before we don't don't have to worry about that (laughs) awesome man well i appreciate both of you guys joining me today best of luck going forward thank you appreciate
0: appreciate
2: it it. never a dull moment with those two guys especially former college teammates now nfl teammates um i'm excited to see what both of their careers hold um going forward with the purple uh we know brian o'neill one of the best right tackles in the league He's going to give Patrick Jones the second, you know, some teaching lessons and one-on-ones come training camp. But at the same time, it's only going to make both of those guys better. Um, but transitioning, it was just announced that Kevin Williams will be inducted into the Vikings Ring of Honor. Of course, if you don't know who Kevin Williams is, he was drafted in the first round in uh, 2003, ninth overall. And, Jay, I mean, you saw this guy play six-time Pro Bowl, five-time first-team All-Pro, All 2000s All-Decade team. I can keep going. But what were some of the things that, that you remember about his play?
3: I mean, Kevin was one of the integral pieces of the Williams wall. He and Pat Williams yeah. were the guys that anchored. That That's where so many people who were fans of that era, the early 2000s era, and seeing what they did are so excited right now about Tomlinson and Pierce and hopefully getting a couple guys like that to yeah. really – kind of deja vu this whole thing and and be able to do that. Kevin was known as kind of the, the, the silent assassin when it came to this stuff, because he didn't say very much, but man, did he just let it all hang out on the field? You saw in, in the, when the announcement was made, all of his former teammates, especially you saw like Chad Greenway and Ben Lieber, even Eric Sugarman, the trainer, everyone just, the, his nickname was The Ticket, Yeah, and it was one of those things they're like, we could not be happier for a guy who was basically a, a better representative than anyone could be for the Minnesota Vikings organization during his era, and it's because he spoke with his actions on the field. He didn't say much, but man, he was an absolute beast on the field, so uh, to see Kevin get this recognition is awesome, and it just kind of proves people that do it the right way are when they get rewarded. Everyone's really happy for him. One of my favorite anecdotes though was whenever you would talk to Kevin, you would you would ask him, you know, what's it like uh, being the best athlete in your family, and he would always say, "I don't know, ask my wife," because his wife was a really good basketball player at Louisiana Tech that made a run to the uh, final four. And so he used to always kind of uh, joke and everything that he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even the best athlete in my family. My wife's got that honor. So to see Kevin get this, this honor and get this, this award, um, it's going to be a lot of fun to celebrate it here coming up during the season.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's what he's supposed to say, right? I mean, my wife's the best athlete in the family. My kids take all the genes from her, right?
3: We'll just go through and uh, uh, rewind this for Corso <laughs> when he gets back just to at least give him a launching pad <laughs> moving forward.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, we'll have full coverage of Kevin's exciting reveal on Vikings.com and all of our social media platforms. Um, but minicamp, training, OTAs. All the organized off-season activities are over. Um, Jay, it is finally training camp. We are five weeks away. There will be a a pretty extensive break between now and then. And I'm sure guys will go back home, go train, do whatever they need to do. But I guess after July 4th, football is officially
3: back. And I'm excited, man. Um, Final thoughts. Uh, just excited that we've had all of the offseason speculation. What's going to happen with Daniil? What's yep. going to happen with the players? How are we going to revamp this roster? What's going to happen? I mean, just think about what the discussion was in February, let alone the beginning of March when, when we were trying to figure out free agency. This team has completely bought all in and gone all in to make it work for this season. And with with their eyes on the horizon for next season two of what they could build. Yeah. But there are a ton of players right now working on one year deals, meaning that they're going to bring their A game to try and get that that next contract coming next season. And I just feel like there are so many veterans now on this team that have had a ton of experience and successful experience, including Super Bowl rings, that you bring them on this team, and I think there is something really fun, real special bubbling underneath the the surface right now on this team. So I'm really excited not only for my summer to be done (laughs) in just under six weeks, but for training camp to hit and to really see what we're potentially working with here. So hopefully everybody goes back and, and has a great summer break and really enjoys their time because there's going to be a lot of work to be had, but there's going to be a lot of fun to be had too.
2: Uh, For sure. And uh, and obviously the last piece of content that we will post this week is Vikings Vantage. Um, Myself as well as Eric Smith. We will have NFL Network's Tom Pellicero on the show. And Tom, he was at practice on Wednesday. And um, we'll talk about, you know, all things Daniel Hunter, Sheldon Richardson, the offseason in general. And uh, I'm excited to actually get that going. So, guys, make sure you stay tuned to Vikings.com to check that out. And uh, my final thought, Jay is what I said before, five weeks, five weeks before training camp starts. Um, It's looking like it'll look a little bit more close to normal. It'll be more normal uh, than 2020 was. So I'm excited just to be able to, to see people in person and actually be able to see things up close and have, I guess, just have fun doing it, man. Like this has been a long, long 2020, a long, I guess, past few months. So the quicker we can get to normality, the quicker Vikings fans can get back in the stadium. So, guys, in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, do what you need to do to make sure the people around you are healthy. And I guess the last thing I can say is thank you for joining us for episode number 100 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast.